You ready, Steven? Five, six, seven, eight. I know you guys come here for the professional intro music, but you stay for the giving. I'm Frankie French. I'm Stephen Campbell. And this is episode 45. No, it's not. Oh. Of the nonprofit. I had <laughs> I had somebody say that they listened to the podcast and they said that they were very surprised at how well it was edited. And I attribute that to our excellent intro music. I mean, well, everything we do is pre- the peak of professionalism. You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? So that's what everyone needs to know. Just like coming into it, things like, oh, Frankie, Steven. Oh, we know that this is going to be the height of excellence. It's going to be True. black excellence smeared with mayonnaise. Like they already know, like we're coming through and it's going to, and shit's going to be real. You know what I mean? And so when we came up with that intro song, I was like, I don't even think they're ready for this, for this. Like this is, it's just too much. I'm taking more issue, not the mayonnaise part, but the smeared part. <laughs> that, that's, just, that's just like, it's not even okay. red. Okay, it's how about blobs that I've taken and thrown <laughs> on the wall and smeared all over the place? Okay, here let me let me rephrase. It's yeah, just so. black excellence slathered in mayo, right? Because that yeah. that's like it's all over that thing, right? It's just it's slathered, right? I'd be, right. I'd be slathering. I'd you, be slathering. <laughs> I, I believe it. How how was your week? Hey, I'm back to normal now. Yay, Frankie's back. Yeah, woohoo! I've um, been yo, sick. My week was good. Uh, awesome. The weather was good in New York. It's not today, but there was like we were having more shows. Did some shows in Central Park, which were really cool. I um independent shows or were they shows with like clubs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I pretty much all the shows that are like really popping right now are people producing them on their own. Um, nice. I had there is this thing that like I have forgotten how to interact in normal society because I've just been stuck in my apartment for so long. I I went on Saturday. I was just writing at the park and I just went and I sat down next to a playground and I was just like writing. And I didn't realize that it was an issue until people started picking their kids up and carrying them off of the playground because I was a masked man just jotting notes feverishly as I stared at their children. <laughs> like, nothing that didn't even register in my head to be like weird at all. I looked like some like like pedophile talent scout. That sounds so creepy. If I had, if I saw you, I would have approached you like, "Hey, buddy." Which one of these kids are yours, creep show? Like that would have been my I'm, question. I'm really embarrassed at how long it took me to register. So get it, yeah. Like, like I just in my head there was nothing. I was just a, just a, just another one of the kids, just jotting down notes, writing notes with my mask on, where so no one can identify me. Drawing pictures of the kids on the playground. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm slowly trying to de like program my brain to thinking everybody is a six foot bio weapon. I mean, everyone is a six foot bio weapon. Not everyone. They're just flakes of skin. Everyone is all the time. Constantly. When we're breathing in air, it's like skin flakes. It's like crusted over semen stains that have now lifted into the air. The flakes of that, right? Dried blood, urine. We're just walking petri dishes. We like seriously. If you look at your skin like at a million times, ah, we're just bugs, just chomping down on you. Ah, gross. Do Do you remember how you would have a conversation with another human being, and like one little speck of spit might tap your face, and you guys would both have like the milla millisecond where you both straightened up realize that that happened and then just continue the conversation like it hadn't happened and now i i i don't know what happens when when that step is taken anymore I, well so here's the thing um if that happens now i will punch that person in the face like i need to be very <laughs> clear about that 
I expect if you're talking into my face for you to have a mask on, even after this is over, like just cover that germ trap, cover your bag of filth. And then let's continue. I just, I can't have it. And like, I, even when I, from a little girl, my mom would always tell me like she was freaked out about sneezes because they travel at like a hundred miles an hour. So I have this like hypersensitivity just to the thought of humans are just walking bags of filth and foul (laughs) and (laughs) everywhere we go. If we had like one of those like microscopic germ visualizers, it would just look like this, like it would look like pig pen. We'd all look like pig pen. uh, Microscopic germ visualizers, uh, (laughs) microscope, microscope is the word that you're looking for. (laughs) (laughs) um caucasity caucasity is the actual word i was looking for but no what i'm saying what i'm i'm not talking about a microscope smarty pants what i'm talking about is like how you can see someone's heat signature right they have like little gadgets so i want to see your germ signature like a microscopic like i can put up a visualizer Uh. yeah and it would be called a visualizer i don't care what the technical term is (laughs) it's a and then you would see all of the filth and foul. I wish I they had that for racism. Oh, can you imagine that? You could just point it at someone and it would show you how racist they are. Oh, that would be like my dream. Because you know one of my favorite things is accosting racists. Like I love being black in front of racist people. It's my joy in life. Like, hey, I'm free and black (laughs) now i'm gonna proceed to say and do things that are going to enrage you like use three syllable words it makes you angry that i know (laughs) i've been i've been realizing i have this thing where i'm i'm prejudiced of people based on how prejudiced i think they might be Oh, totally. hundred percent. And it, and it messes with me because I'm just like, I like, I'd be like, like, Oh my God, look at this dude, this skinhead looking dude. Like, but but I used to buzz my head, you know, I, and I just buzzed it because it was simple, but But you know, you, you don't know this motherfucker. I mean, you know, you, but then, but then if like, if I'm prejudiced with people based on how prejudiced I think they are. And then somebody's prejudice of me because of how prejudice it just, the chain goes on and on. It's a never ending cycle, but you know what? I'm the same way. Like if you come at me with a Southern accent, sorry, Jared, we love you so much. But if you come at me with a Southern accent, immediately I'm like, Oh, racist. And it's so, and that's not, that's not good. No, it's It's not. not. You know what I mean? It, It really isn't. So I say that to say, if you have a Southern accent, you have to start with your, start a conversation with this is my favorite civil rights activist. Right. And then now, like, okay. All right. You, you, just have, you have to go BLM and then I'll go, Oh, hmm, interesting. Uh, so, you so you have my attention. So you think that white people should start conversations with you by putting up the fist yep. and saying BLM. Yep. Okay. I, 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 yep. I feel, yep. Mm-hmm. I feel like that. I, I feel like any conversation till the end of time, that should be part of the reparations package. <laughs> yeah, just, just we <laughs> Every white person before they can even start a sentence, maybe they don't have to throw up the fist, but they have to just say, uh, <clears throat> yes, Bob, go ahead. What were you going to say? BLM. So what I wanted to say, Andrew, <laughs> <laughs> like, like an AA meeting where you're just like, my name is Steven. Doesn't matter where they are. It, doesn't matter where they are. It could be a boardroom. It could be in the doctor's office. So what what brings you in here today, Jim? BLM. Uh, my knee feels a little bit janky when I run upstairs. You know what I mean? Like no matter where, what's the, what the situation, where they are. Yeah. Is, is janky a problematic word? Janky? Why? Why is that problematic? I don't know. It just, it has all the, the makings. I don't know. I don't it know. It sounds like it could be racist against a group of people, right? Yeah, but no, janky just means ill-formed, Ill, uh, right? It's like janky. It's like it's halfway done. It's not good. Oh, we got we got somebody in the chat bar that says, yes, it is. Okay, right. explain. Don't just say, yes, it is. I'm, I'm going to, I'm calling bullshit. Whoever's <laughs> in the chat and says, yes, it is. Explain how janky, janky, J-A-N-K-Y, explain how that's problematic. I need to know this. 
Oh, my computer's going too slow. We'll get it. We'll get it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to need that information. And I need you to cite your source. And I need you to be willing to come on nonprofits and debate it with me because, uh, no, sir, I just feel like you're very white and you need to try to be woke and explain something to my face. And I'm going to hard pass on that. And I feel like that's a mm, nope. I've been saying, Jank, come on, Janky is a black thing. If something is janky, like janky promoters, it's a whole movie. Um, yeah, it, uh, Oxford Dictionary of extremely poor, unreliable quality. That's it. Yeah, I, I'm aware. Literally, what I said. So, no, it's not problematic. I, Mm-mm. I'm just, I'm just trying to navigate this world by being. As- no, you're great, Stephen. You're fantastic. Is this person that's trying <laughs> to be overly woke in my face? Yes. Jenny is very problematic. No, your mama problematic. No, my bad. I was, being, I was being the asshole. Uh, they were just saying yes to you should say BLM every time you. Uh, oh, okay. My bad. Sorry. And we're back. And we're you back. know what, guys? Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I can get a little too black. <laughs> <laughs> totally didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. All right, well, we're back to, but I, but I would have meant what I said if that had been what you meant. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Um, so who do, who do we have join? You know what, Stephen? I'm offended. Please tell me why. I asked you how your how your week was. You did. You told me about your week, and then you just moved on to other topics. You didn't was, say, "Hey, Frankie, how was your week?" Wait, okay, let's let's uh, take two. Hey, Frankie, how how was your week? Wow, wait, here, let me tell you about mine. (laughs) No, joking. Go, go, go. (laughs) How was your week, Frankie? And I was going to say something nice to you for once. I was going to go, wow, Steven, I'm so glad you asked. It made me feel seen and cared for. Um, But now I'm not going to say that now. Uh, My week was actually pretty great. I started feel I've been feeling better and better and better every day. And now I feel like 100% back to normal. And Friday or Saturday, maybe it was, uh, one of those days was like my first full pain-free day. So yeah, I'm like back to normal. So are there any more like meds or anything like that? Or, or you're, you're just... I need to make some follow-up appointments. Um, I'm having some apprehension there just because my most recent medical experiences have not been that great. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's this issue that uh, women of color in general, but black women specifically really experience where we're just seen a certain way in medical situations. And I wasn't properly treated or cared for when I was in the hospital for that week. And then I came home and the instructions I was given, they weren't ac- like nothing, nothing about my care set me up to feel better. I had to basically kind of figure it all out and navigate it myself. So my apprehension is following up with um, Western medical doctors and not getting any real resolution and just being on a cadre of, of pills. And I don't, I don't want to do that. I really believe that because my, my issues are intestinal and I am a hundred percent certain that I can feel better and live better through healthy diet um, and proper hydration and exercise. And I think there's a, there's something real there for me to explore. And the medical doctors I've spoken with, keep saying to the contrary. And the weird part is these are really fit men. And I'm like, I know you eat well and you clearly exercise and take care of yourself. And you're telling me that there's no science behind that, that this will be helpful for me. And I, I just can't, everything in me is screaming that that's wrong. You know what I mean? And so that, that comes out of a place of like their education telling them this. Do you think it comes out of a place of uh, incentivizing pushing medication or like what what do you I think it comes from a from a place of a lot of things I think one you know white medical doctors oftentimes don't have the skill set experience or cultural um, understanding to properly care for their black patients uh, and other patients of color I just don't think they have that intuitiveness I also think that there is a that we are seen as um, lesser, just kind of in a general sense. And so I don't have to give you the good information. I can, I'm going to do what the, what's easy. It's a lot more difficult to go through and figure out what foods I should be eating and, you know, and how I should be eating those and getting with a nutritionist and doing the blood work and doing all of those things and really figuring out from a holistic sense, what I need 
that's a lot of work goes into that. There's a lot of care that, that needs to happen and to be present in order for you to even want to do that. And I just don't, I don't think that that's there. Um, and I think that, you know, when he looks at me, why would you go through that when you can just here, let's do a colonoscopy. Let's do, um, let's look at your labs and then let's prescribe you these pills. Sure. That's a, it's a significantly easy. I can walk out one doctor's visit and guess what? You're guaranteed that I come back and back and back and back and back. Cause I'm going to need refills. I might need adjustments rather than figuring out to wholly treat me, treat my body and put me on a path of living healthy. And then I only see you once or twice a year for checkups and, you know, and smaller things, you know, people, um, I don't think Western white Western medical doctors are really fit for that. They're not, they're not built for that. They're, they don't learn that. Um, in the last week I've eaten about 10 bodega sandwiches. Oh my God. You're going to die tomorrow. Well, uh, go ahead. And, and, uh, I don't know if that is, it's more of a cautionary tale of what not to do. I think <laughs> is, is, is all, is all I've got. I've got, uh, you got, you got white people giving you bad advice all over the place. I just want to tell you all over the place, 10 bodega sandwiches in a week. Um, I feel like there are only seven days in a week and that's where my concern comes in. It's okay, like you, you, you doubled up, do you, do you doubled up a couple of, what'd you say? Would you eat a breakfast sandwich in the morning or night? I'm not really a breakfast sandwich person. Like my breakfast, I like, like my favorite breakfast would be soft scrambled eggs, half an avocado, and maybe some like tomato compote would be like my ideal breakfast. Compote? Like a tomato confit, like a, um, like, okay. So you take tomatoes, right. And you can steep them for days, weeks, hours in like a EVOO. And you add different spices and seasonings. You can add like onions, maybe peppers, whatever. And then you kind of drain that off and chop that up. And it's cooked for all intents and purposes. And it's like a, like a relish kind of, but a tomato relish, a tomato based relish or salsa in the salsa E family. But it's like a compo. You ever use sofritos? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like sofritos, but not, but not, I don't know. It's tomato. It's a tomato. It's a clump of tomatoes and spices and seasoning. The next time we do this show in person, let's do a cooking show. First off, bitch, do not threaten me with a good time. Okay, that's number one. Do not get in my face and threaten me with my favorite thing to do (laughs) and get attention. What? (laughs) Yes, let's do that. I love that idea. That's fantastic. And whoever we bring on, we we should make it. a ways to eat healthy on a budget. You know what I mean? Okay. And do like three simple meals that you can get reasonably priced and show people ways of like cooking on a very, very small budget, healthy for like families, right? That'd be fun. We, uh, we, we've got the series that we've got going with Lululemon and we're meeting- Maybe we get Matt James to do it with us live. Oh yeah, we could do Matt yeah, James. Yeah, because he's out in New York and he loves us already. Cool. Yeah, I dig it. Um, but- you want to bring our guests on? Oh, let's bring our guests on. Hey, Matt James, if you're watching, you got to do a shirtless. Ladies and gentlemen, um, <laughs> and I mean that with all due respect, ladies and gentlemen, we are super excited to bring these amazing folks on uh, the nonprofits today. Uh, Steven, you do the introductions since you know Boom. them. We yeah. got Breakthrough New York in the house. We're going to hear a lot about the work that they're doing. We got Fernie Cruz, Karina Cruz. We got Jomar Lopez. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk to them about the work that they're doing. Yay! Look at you guys. Look how cute we look. We look so cute. Hey, what's up? What's up? What's up? What's going on? Welcome to the show. Still on mute. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. There you go, guys. My pipes are currently clanking right now. New York City living. So Mm -hmm. no worries. (laughs) Can you guys go around um, and just introduce yourselves individually, please, if you would? For sure. Do you want to include like what we do at Breakthrough? Like what are we including yeah. in the intro? I would, yeah, not only that, I would love to hear how each of you, like a, a, your brief story, how each of you found Breakthrough. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear that. That'd be great. Awesome. I can go first. My name is Karina Cruz. I'm the high school program manager over at Breakthrough. Um, I've been here almost four years, um, but I'm 
I'm a lifelong person in the community. I'm a breakthrough alum. So, oh wow, um, yeah, Very yeah. Cool. So I was a student, starting at age 11, you know, and I've been there ever since. I graduated from college, came back, never left. So love it, yeah, love it. Can can you can I ask you real quick? Um, yeah. What about the program? It speaks volumes that you went through it and and so young, went Mm -hmm. off out into the world and then came back and wanted to work there. What about the program has you that passionate about it? I just want to ask that really quick before we move on. Um, I think the community vibe, even though there's been, you know, it's nonprofit, there's going to be different people rolling in different, you know, stakeholders, but regardless, the community vibe has always been the same has been super welcoming. Also the ED at the executive director at the time, um, she was not going to let me go off into life and not come back to breakthrough. Um, so, you know, she was trying to get me to work there for a while and then I came back. So, um, yeah. And, you know, my family was just connected to the program for a long time. So I actually came back um, from the ED meeting with my dad randomly somewhere and they were chit-chatting and I came back. So I think just the passion I have for the program and to give back, but also it was just right place at the right time. Love it. I love it. Fernie, tell us about yourself, please. Yeah. So thanks so much for having us. Um, I'm Fernie. I am the college placement manager at Breakthrough and I started off as the 12th grade high school coordinator. Um, I actually first heard of Breakthrough when I was working in my previous job in admissions at my alma mater, um, which is uh, a women's college in Massachusetts called Wellesley. So I I actually gave an info session for the Breakthrough students who had come to visit. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. And, And I actually still, I was just reading the card, the thank you card that they had written me. And some of the names on that card are from students that I'm working with today. So, That's bananas. Have you ever revisited that with them? What's that? <laughs> Have you ever revisited that moment with them? No, but they're seniors this year, so I'm I'm thinking for um for their decision day celebration, I might bring it up to the um the students who. Of who course, I- you do. You yeah. have to do that. Yeah. You absolutely have to do that. Absolutely, of course, you better. And you mm-hmm. need to tell us all about that, Jomar. Please, yes, please, Jomar. Tell us about yourself, please. Yeah, really excited to be here. I'm Jomar. I'm a program manager for Manhattan on behalf of Breakthrough New York for the middle school team. Um, I heard of Breakthrough a long time ago when I was working at a different nonprofit and kind of keeping an eye on it to see if there were any job openings. Uh, Eventually, I took a hiatus from working at nonprofits and an opening came up and I decided to, to try it out. And I've been here for past almost two and a half years. Love it. Which one of you, um, any one of you guys are welcome to answer this, but we'd love, uh, we love when our nonprofits come on and give us their elevator pitch so that we all are on the same page and know how amazing you guys are and how your program works and any very cool, amazing details you want to share. Bernie? I feel like Karina is so good at this because she's she's an alum, but I can, <laughs> I can kick her off. I can kick her off by saying that Breakthrough is a, a ten-year um, college access and success program. So we have three um, big sort of parts to our program: those being the middle school, high school, and then college programs. Um, but what sets us apart is really that we are a ten-year program, and Karina and Jomar can speak to. Uh, middle school, and then also the fact that we have a near peer model, um, just as far as mentorship goes, it's a it's a key component in what. So wait a minute, I'm sorry, Fernie. You said it's a 10 year program. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. So when do kids? So everyone that's a part of the program mm-hmm. starts at what age? They start the summer between sixth and seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh-huh. How do you uh, get in contact with these kids? Like, how, what are kind of the, some of the criteria for kids to get involved with the program? For sure. Jomar, did you want to talk a little bit about that since the middle school team is going through the recruitment process right now? Yeah. So uh, part of our admissions process, we have uh, an admissions director who goes to schools and kind of spreads the word about the program, um, some of the requirements that we we look for in our students. So Uh, students from low-income communities, and uh, they fill out our online application, a couple of prompts and questions, and then as a staff, we look over it, um, and we we decide what the next class will will be and when they come in. 
Excellent. So are are kids and teens able to join the program later or they have to be in for the oh, you got to be in for the full 10 years. It's the the one entry. Yeah, there's a lot of community building we do throughout all 10 years, you know, especially Mm -hmm. those first three years are really crucial in that middle school program because we're we're gearing them up to um, start with the high school placement process. Um, And we're doing, you know, summers typically we do in person, but we're doing virtual right now given you know the circumstances in the world um but you know a lot of that time you know we do advisory we do different events with the students like it's a lot of like fun time and celebration along with the learning and so if you miss out on some of those earlier components it's hard to really get into you know the real core as to what our community right no i get that that's amazing that's Mm -hmm. so you're basically right when these kids should start kind of thinking about what they want their their educational career to look trajectory to look mm-hmm. like you know what i mean you're getting them right then like okay let's start really kind of mapping that out and helping them make decisions in terms of um what classes they're taking like in seventh and eighth grade is that accurate is are you helping with that wow that is amazing i love mm-hmm. that can i ask so there's a lot of talk in New York more so than anywhere that I've lived about the importance of school placement. Um, I know that uh, it was very surprising to me to find out like the level of segregation in schools and stuff like that. Could Mm -hmm. you speak a little bit to like the, I, and maybe, maybe I'm I'm just blind to it because I, you know, I haven't like had kids or anything like that, but Mm -hmm. it seems more so in New York than in most places uh, there's a much higher import into uh, importance of where you're being placed. I, mm-hmm. Is that accurate? Could you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Like I can, I can speak to that through personal experience, not only like born and raised in New York in Brooklyn. Right. And then also I'm a student. So I went through the placement process with breakthrough on top of that. And it's like, Applying to high school is just like applying to college <laughs> in oh, wow. New York. It really is. I mean, there's there's five different types of schools. We support students across all five. Um, and essentially, you know, it it helping with the helping with that process includes like gaining the students like confidence to you know go in there and be able to like write about themselves helping with interview prep like these students have to start like interviewing (laughs) and testing and the amount of and all of that and so I remember having to go through that whole process and having breakthrough to sort of ease the tension and sort of like help me navigate that process and same for my family it really just sort of eased a lot of that because of the fact that the the way that the resources are distributed in the city to schools is just like is drastically different so we have to work Mm -hmm. really hard to take our students who are in you know middle schools and they're top students they're performing really well but they're not being challenged right so we're right we're there to you know bring them into those college prep resources college prep high schools so that they can get those resources to get into competitive colleges down the line so you you just hop into middle school and we you know we have to snap you up and get you ready to start thinking about college because you have to really start early um, in the competitive nature of the city. What are the five, you said there's five different types of schools. What are the five different types? I didn't even know. I don't, this is all new to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in New York City, there's five different. So there's specialized high schools, which are the Bronx Sciences, uh, American Studies at Lehman College. There are parochial schools, your traditional Catholic schools, kind of. Um, there are the selective high schools, which are the elite high schools that have certain admissions processes, uh, boarding schools, which are the schools that you uh, stay away at and can't like on campus. And then um, lastly, the normal public schools in the city. Mm. That's banana. Man. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I didn't raise kids in New York. That sounds like a nightmare. Like, <laughs> that's just that's like crazy competitive. It's a lot. It's that's a lot. crazy. Mm-hmm. And even. Uh, yeah, I didn't know any of this. Go ahead, Stephen. There's like a, what is the podcast called? Uh, it, it's like nice white parents or something like this. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's no, I, what there's this <laughs> podcast. Well, no. And, and it's, it, it, this is the only reason I even know about some of this stuff, but it, it's basically a podcast about these white parents that they, you know, a lot of stay at home moms that, uh, that the family's pretty affluent and they are able to 
walk their kid through every single step of this process and they are able to bring them into whichever it, it's it's bananas to me the level of competition for me to get into high school i had to walk to high school that was <laughs> right that, right exactly right and like and so it just goes through all these like criteria and and the um the podcast is basically about that like it, it is this thing of privilege that because you are able to have a stay-at-home mom that's able to hold your hand through this whole process and really push your application through where maybe it, if somebody else's mom's like working late, you know, like, and so it was very eye-opening to me and I know I'm not getting the name of the podcast, right. But it was very eye-opening to me to, of all these processes that go into what in growing up just seemed like just a very basic process. You just, mm -hmm. you go to one grade, then you go to the other and that's mm -hmm. about it. Um, like what is, what is the real educational difference between what y'all described as a normal public high school and one of these other four that you're describing from like an education standpoint? I don't know that it's necessarily like an, at an education standpoint, like there's massively a difference. I think part of what's really great about our program and why we want to start so early is that we want to find what's the best fit for our student and their family, right? So like for one student, you know, it may be a better fit to be at a small private school where they get, you know, a full scholarship and have all of these opportunities. For another student, they might, you know, prefer the specialized high school that they have to commute to um, that won't cost them any money, but it has, you know, a lot of research opportunities per se. Like it really, it depends on the family of where we do that matching process and our staff is really great about being really intentional about that process and and approaching approaching it in a really individualized way um because not not every school is going to be the same fit for every student like of course we have like you know some that we have partnerships with and bring up to students that they should you know gear toward but ultimately it's really going to depend on what the student and their family want interesting I think a lot i think a lot too steven um just from what i'm picking up and hearing goes back to the conversation we we're having not too long ago about get going even going to college and what that experience encompasses it's not so much you're, you're asking what the difference is between these schools it's, it's not so much the level of education but there are a lot of things i think that factor into that you know what i mean mm -hmm. how are these kids able to concentrate do their homework get the supplies they need all of those things factor into it and then mm -hmm. bigger than that what factors in are the networks that they're creating mm -hmm. as early as seventh eighth ninth tenth grade mm -hmm. these schools are those competitive schools everyone knows except for us but everyone knows about those schools you know mm -hmm. what i mean so oh i went to school with bob we went to this private together in high school and then we went to college you know what i mean so mm -hmm you're building a whole life for their, they're building a whole life for their kids. Mm -hmm. Their kids are going to be exposed to different things that even when they go into the workforce, they'll have a different level of understanding and, and ability to integrate into those corporate environments because of having already gone through these different processes and experiences. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's, it's a whole leg up, you know what I mean? Like yeah. a whole leg up. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. And so and Karina, you had mentioned that um, that your whole family has a relationship with Breakthrough. Is at is, this point, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, so at this point, so it's it, it, is it um, typically you guys develop relationships with with an individual kid, and then but since you guys have been since you were part of the program for so long, or is it something that um, that like generational, like mm -hmm. that you guys have had multiple members of your family or? Yeah, well, we get to know families right in the door. Your families are very involved in the application process. They're writing short answer responses. They're coming in and they, we interview them as well as their students, you know? we It's a real family effort because you know, 10 years old is a long time. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a real family commitment. And we wanna make sure that not only are we on the same page with the student, but we're on the same page with the family because Oz are, you know, the family is going to be the one providing the emotional support, some of the academic support and the financial support down the line. So we want to make sure that we involve everyone in the conversation in terms of where this student's education path is going. And so because of that, like I'm an only child, so there wasn't any like I don't have younger siblings in the program or anything like that. But my mom and dad, like they really used 
breakthrough as a resource and, you know, as, as a guiding, as I found a lot of guiding mentors in the program to figure out, you know, how to support me through that process. So, you know, while we have our students going through the application process, we're also coaching the parents and, and having them understand the steps to this process and what it means for them and the family down the line. So it's, we bring the whole family in the room <laughs> when we're having these conversations. It's- just the that. idea of having a child stresses me out so much. <laughs> <laughs> and just hearing this, this like added aspect of it that I was just like, I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, it, what if he gets hit by a car? But now, now I've got to think about, or he just raise them wild in the forest. <laughs> oh, that's true. They yeah, have, you could just no real competition for this. Yeah, right. Exactly. You just let them loose in the forest. You know what I mean? Like you guys just tent out and he'll be the best forest baby that, you know what I mean? He'll, he'll be boss at being a forest baby. He'll know how to hunt fish. True. Yeah. Jump that, on the back that, of a boar. Like, that yeah. essay will really stick out. Because it will really stick are applying from New York City. Nobody's mm-hmm. applying from the forest. Mm-hmm. No one's applying from the forest. Exactly. Yeah. This would be your real life Tarzan story. Think of that. Yeah. And, and yeah, think of that. In 2043, a real life Tarzan story. Yeah. People every would time go gaga like, for that. Every and time he's then, like, he's like, I just want friends. It was like, you're my Tarzan. You <laughs> right. Exactly. He'll have like millions of followers on Insta like that. He won't even have to worry about an entrance entrance exam. What he is the entrance exam, okay? You're right, you're right. Yeah. I'm gonna be a great father. Don't even worry about it. I got your back. I'll be godmom. Like, no, <laughs> we're raising you wild. You live in the woods. Calm down. <laughs> um, so, guys, one thing that we like to touch on. So, a, a lot of times, um, done a lot of work with fundraising, right? And very often in fundraising, talking about the statistics and talking about the numbers and the people that you're helping, it's. Um, it kind of like washes over people, but very often a an impact story, like an individual or a family uh, that was helped, you know, hearing your story, Karina, obviously uh, helps people um, conceptualize the work that Breakthrough is doing. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any sort of like impact stories of people that have gone through the organization? Can you Can you each tell us one? We all have one. We prepped. We're ready. Oh, We're let's ready. do it. Yes. We're yes. ready. <laughs> let's go. Who wants to go first? I feel like Joe Mar should go since he's in the middle school program. We can sort of move move down the line. Oh, okay. boom. There we go. Yeah. Joe Mar. Love it. <laughs> yeah. So um, this past summer, we had to transition our program remote- remotely due to the pandemic, unfortunately. Um, so our news class at that time had to experience our summer program for the first time remotely Um, there's this one particular student um, who was having a challenging time transitioning to the online space Um, Mm -hmm. some of the things that I knew about the student was that when they were in school and in person they were vibrant they were always socializing and always participating but what I've noticed in observations in the classroom is that um they were pretty quiet, kept themselves reserved, kind of kept their camera off the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it came to their work, they pretty much just copied and pasted responses that they would pick up from other work that they were reading earlier. Um, so we set up meetings with with mom um, to try to figure out like a plan moving forward to support the student and uh that's when uh, we started connecting with that student's guidance counselor. Um, we have that flexibility to be able to reach out to those extra supports and resources. So this particular student has a really great relationship with their guidance counselor, sees them almost daily on Zoom, updates them on all the things that are happening in their life, um, telling them all the updates about the program. And so being able to kind of connect with that guidance counselor and figure out um, strategies to help the student within the Zoom classrooms uh, really was very helpful in getting them to engage a little more. So um, throughout the semester, I saw her turn on her camera a little more and then in the classroom um, participate a little bit more and take the time to help other classmates as well. Um, And right now she's 
still currently improving. Um, but it's just, it was a big difference from the beginning of the summer seeing that uh, student just kind of hide in that black Zoom background of mm-hmm. her camera being off to now her having her camera on and just being Coming to life and getting back to her real self. That's great. That's fantastic. What do you attribute to that? The kind of the like neighborhood support type of mentality you guys seem to have where, you know what I mean? Where it's like an all hands on deck, like let's get mom and dad involved. Let's get the counselors involved. What do you attribute her turnaround to? Yeah, I would definitely say it's that all around support of just trying to see who knows what, because we we don't have all the answers, but however, we do um, have the resources around us to figure out how students work or like what particular thing engages a student. Um, and then also the community and the culture we build around students. So the class that surrounds her it are very, they're very, very vibrant in the chat and they're always encouraging her as well, just sending messages. They have a whole entire G chat going on without me knowing mm-hmm. and they just talk about all of these different things but um it's just that all around community support that mm-hmm. surrounds I love it Car- Karina yeah we'd love to hear your story thank you so much Jomar that was really great for sure for sure yeah so I mean I think just dipping back a little bit um, into the the family effort. Um, I have a student. So I, when I first started working with Breakthrough, I had the pleasure of working with our class of 2024. We named the classes by the year that they're going to graduate from college. Um, mm-hmm. So I was working with the class of 2024 from 10th to 12th grade, got to see them through the process, loop back down and on working with the class of 2026. Um, and so because of that, I had the pleasure of working with a student and then his younger sister. And so I'm working. Oh, with I love that. The cutest thing, but I got, you know, I developed such a strong relationship with the family, with mom, like, you know, they would come in with abuela, they would come in, they would bring, they would bring me boba every time they came to see me, which is like that never, never did I bring up that I loved boba, never did we have a conversation, but became a tradition. Um, And then eventually, you know, at some point when I started working with um, my student's younger sister, and now she's my student now, um, I remember receiving a phone call from mom randomly in the middle of the workday and then I hear you know both kids in the background like I'm sorry Karina like we told her not to call you and mom was like I have a question to verify with you and you know it's just it gives them we're like a household name for them we give them a place to call to email to you know if they have a question and this is this is for you know the whole family and while our focus is to make sure that our students can advocate for ourselves can move through these placement processes past like you know the the boundaries that they have past the like um, past all of those obstacles, you know, we're also, it's also supporting the family and having a, a trustworthy resource of a place that they can go to that's going to have their best interest at, at heart and knows the student, you know? So mm-hmm. I think it was amazing to really develop a close relationship in that family and be there long enough to really continue um, to work with them and know know their situation well enough that they feel confident and calling me whenever, you know? No, you got, that's like a, that's an amazing, that's a very, very special relationship. You know what I mean? Like, that's like, because you've been with that family for two kids now, you know what I mean? So you're, you're a part of their family for, you know what I mean? Like in in reality Mm -hmm. and that type of support, ah, that's life changing stuff. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? That's the stuff that one, it does a lot of things in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It makes you want to make everyone happy in the sense of you have a lot of support. You know, these people are looking out for you. So you want to do well. I want to do a good job. I want them to be proud of me. You know what I mean? It it develops that. It develops that self-confidence because you're like, wow, look at this whole group of people that care about Mm -hmm. what's happening with me. And it brings that, that family is closer because Mm -hmm. of this connection. You know what I mean? Because they're all rooting for and working toward this common goal, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, that's, it's, that's just amazing. That's really, really comprehensive. It's really beautiful. Thank, Thank you, you um, Karina. Mm-hmm. Fernie, what's up, girl? Yeah, so, no, I mean, I think, you know, I want to speak a little bit more to the, the mentorship model that we have at, at Breakthrough. And I sort of alluded to this a little bit earlier, but we do have a near peer model in both the high school and college programs where, um, you know, like college students are mentoring our high school students and mm. checking oh, wow. 
And then in college, it's like young professionals mentoring and checking in with high school students. But that near peer model also translates translates to staff mentoring current students. And so I had the experience, the joy, the pleasure of working with um, a wonderful student. And it was my first year at BTNY. So I was like a deer in headlights, right? Like I had no idea what was coming. I um, had never really advised students on like the college application process um, before. I had experience in admissions, but that's a totally different ball game, right? So this student and I, um, we quickly bonded over just like hobbies that we both had, right? Like personal sort of experiences that we could both sort of speak to um, that in some way intersected. And so this student was super passionate about music and poetry and I am a writer myself. And so that was oh, a point cool. of connection there. And, um, and those, those conversations then soon developed into deeper um, oftentimes difficult conversations about mental health and Mm -hmm. race and gender and sexuality and, and, you know, things that are pretty serious. Right. And so this student, I just grew so close to the point where they were coming into the office and Karina knows this because she was seeing them like pretty regularly. And we would have like hours long conversations on a regular basis. And um, you, we don't often realize as educators, the impact that we have on the young people that we work with until like much later. So okay. I recently um, got an email from the student not too long ago and they were just like, thank you so much for like everything that you've given me and for um, just providing the space to like, you know, speak my truth and sort of, um, I know I'm like getting emotional. That's okay. I was like, Oh my gosh, she's going to yeah. cry. This no, is I know, TV. No, I'm kidding. It, it just, <laughs> the, 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 the um, community that breakthrough, um, you know, cultivates, it's like, it's built out of love and um, it was just a beautiful thing to see. And we're still in touch to, to this day. Right. So it's, it's awesome to see like where they were and where they're going. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like and that so- you had a hand in that. Yeah. Like, so you know many- what I mean, you had a big hand. That's, that's again, like that's life changing stuff. All three stories that yeah. support is life. Cha- I didn't have, I can, I don't, I can't speak for Steven, but I can definitely speak for myself. I did not have that. Mm-hmm. I was, I was raised wild in the woods. You know what I mean? Like I had no one, <laughs> looking out for me and I re- mm-hmm. but I can remember very clearly mm-hmm. wishing that I did I rem- mm-hmm. I have that memory of wishing I had like a mentor or someone and now I have a daughter and I'm hyper present with her mm-hmm. you know what I mean to make sure that she feels that love and that support and all of those things and so mm-hmm. she can come to me Fernie with like all of those kinds of questions about mm-hmm. life and sexuality and, mm-hmm. and all of those things but there are so many kids clearly and this kid that you're talking about clearly didn't have that or didn't feel comfortable, have anyone that they felt comfortable going to. And that is literally the difference between life and death. It's literally the difference yeah. mm-hmm. is yeah. having someone that can see you. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times when we feel trapped within our circumstances or within our or even within our own identity, where we feel like I can only be me mm-hmm. inside of me. Mm -hmm. I can't be me in any real sense externally when we have those moments or we're in that time and we don't have anyone we can go to. Mm -hmm. That's when people start having those negative and those bad thoughts, you know, and just wanting to end that misery and that suffering. So, you know, not to be a drama queen or, you know, to make, to, to make anything grander than what it is, but I mean this very literally like that's the work you guys are doing. That's life changing stuff. Mm -hmm. That's life saving stuff, you know? So Good on you. Like I, I was about you. look, Fernie, I'm not even gonna lie, I was about I was tearing up a little bit and I was like all the feels. Oh, I'm gonna cry on TV. Oh, I'm such a crybaby. It took everything not to just let it out. But no, <laughs> it just speaks to, you know, what what we do. And I think Absolutely. the importance of just providing a space for students to to share their voices and, and stories and feel like they are powerful and valid and everything. Yeah. Way. 
And yeah. that's what makes like that was what makes our like our organization and our programming important, but also like specifically our near peer model because we're giving them folks that care about them. Folks are there to hear mm-hmm. them and holistically support them. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, folks that look like them and have been through a lot of the same situations. It is so key to have you know folks that you can relate to. Um, and you know, if if a kid is joining our program, nine. Point nine 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 times out of 10, you know, their, their main goal is to go to a four-year college. And a lot of the time, you know, we have all of our TAs, um, or, or all of our teaching assistants who are teaching in the summer. So our middle school students are college students. A majority of the folks who are talking to our high school students are college students. <laughs> almost all of the people who are, you know, talking to our coaches um, and to almost all of the coaches who are talking to our college students are either like young um, professionals or folks who have graduated from college who have been there, you know, and so we want to make sure to provide those resources, not just like information, not just academic, not just financial resources, but really like build a social network for them that they can Mm -hmm. go to when they, when they need help and they need those next steps, those pushes that, you know, a lot of their more privileged peers already have, you know, right. Exactly. For them. One of the things that um, I see a lot when working with nonprofits is that, where a lot of them start very like mission oriented and stuff like that. You can get really lost in like KPIs, how much money are we raising all all this stuff. And Mm, it is mm -hmm. very refreshing to see that y'all still got the love for it and the love for the people that you're working with. The passion Um, is real. I love mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm, Absolutely. Um, But I think we are inching towards, uh, towards the end of the program. Okay. Um, I, I think Jared's, Jared's been posting in, in the side, uh, with website and stuff like that, but where can people find you? How can people help? How can people get involved? Yeah. What's your Instagram, yo? Yes. How, can slide, how can we slide in those DMs? Slide in the DMs, catch us on social media. Um, <laughs> so we're definitely on Instagram at Breakthrough NY. Um, you can definitely find us there. We post all the time. So we're posting about our gala coming up. We're posting about, you know, some exciting. You have a gala? We have a gala. We're fancy. Yes, we have a virtual gala. So you can definitely go on our social media and find out all the information and links for that. Um, We always have opportunities to volunteer um, with our, our kids are incredible. I I say that I feel like I'm like, you know, complimenting myself because I'm (laughs) (laughs) one of You know, our kids are incredible and it's always a joy just to be able to interact with them and be a part of their story and their trajectory. So um, we always post those opportunities on our social media as well. Don't you guys have a virtual comedy show coming up? Yes, we do. That you will both be. Right. I know. I know. And we didn't shout it out during the show. Guys, March 28th, we got a show that we're raising money for Break the New York, Teak Fellowship, yep. and uh, America Needs You. And it's, who do we have on the show? We've got me and Frankie. We've got- I Matt mean, that's all, you, that's all you need to even say, okay? <laughs> that is all you need to say. All you need to know is Frankie's on the show. She's going to say some funny <laughs> stuff. Um, but yeah, everybody come through. Uh, we're- making people laugh, making an impact in the process. We have Natalie McGill also too, right? And Mikey Winfield. And and Mikey Winfield. Yeah. Um, He's my stand-up NBC um, brother from another mother. Because he, he won 2018 and then I won 2019. So come on out, get them laughs. Get uh, all no, them no. laughs, yo. Yes. Thank you, Karina. Thank you, Fernie. Thank you, Jomar. Um, I've been Stephen Campbell, and this is Nonprofits. And I've been Frankie French. <laughs> this is Nonprofits. Okay. You guys.